Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe podcast network. I'm your host, Mike Anguilano, and joining me is Aaron Johnson, and back off his hiatus is Jasper Apollonia. Fellas, good to all be back, right? Oh, for sure. Always miss Jasper. His energy level and, and storytelling <laughs> is just something that we, Mike, you and I, we really can't match that. So uh, no. good to have Jasper back. And I know he's going to have some interesting stuff for us to to include in our discussion today. I wish I did. I've, I've been sick kind of for the last week and working. I've done nothing fun, nothing interesting. Uh, I do still have that... Uh, too many coffees, wink, wink, nudge, nudge energy going for me at the same time. So I, that hasn't gone out of my repertoire whatsoever. Uh, I'm happy to be back. I did listen to the podcast last week. I was waiting for that shout out and I got it. So, you know, you guys are, are still on my on my good side. And then he stopped uh, listening right after that. Oh, 100% turned it right <laughs> off. But that's not important. That's not important. The point is, I I was shown the respect that uh, I most certainly have not deserved or earned, but I very much demand. So it's great to be back. I'm very happy to be talking about the Pistons. Um, it's been a weird playoffs. We've seen so many like strange blowouts over this last week, especially feels like since that Suns game, Suns, um, you know, game seven debacle, uh, there haven't really been any compelling games so far in these conference finals compelling series perhaps in the east but not any really compelling games so uh it's nice to have a little something to talk about with the pistons especially as the draft heats up i didn't have any time to to react to them getting the fifth pick i was a little bit devastated but i expected it so uh let's get into it guys that sounds like a plan let's get right into it but first a word from our sponsors at Bet Online, and our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball fights, and NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's really easy to get started. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Use our promo code Believe. That's B L. AV to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's B L E A V to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And now where our podcast officially starts, we'll be getting right into it. We didn't have Jasper last week to talk about the draft, um, share the devastation of getting the fifth pick in the draft. Um, so our first topic, we're going to talk about, of course, the NBA draft. And the Pistons roster is far from a finished product. Other than Cade Cunningham and maybe Sadiq Bey, you're looking at a bunch of players that have some sort of expendable value. And if you really push me, I would say that so does Sadiq Bey. Um, point being, the roster has a lot of work to do before we can call it uh, set in stone. So when we look at, and, and Aaron and I talked a lot about the typical prospects that we're going to see at five should the pistons be drafting for best fit with the current guys on this team or should, should they be looking at um the highest possible ceiling with the fifth pick but actually before that because jasper you weren't here last week 
do you want to share any initial thoughts that you had about the Pistons getting the fifth pick and, and really the one through four because Sacramento moving up to four, uh, as, as we noted last week, makes things very interesting. Yeah, certainly. I'm glad I got a little bit of time actually to, to think about it and, and digest the fifth pick um, before coming on the podcast because I think everybody at first when you saw that, there's that initial inevitable Detroit doom and gloom reaction. It's like we can never, ever, ever get anything good. And the one time we do get something good, it's followed up by dropping down to two spots in the draft the next year. Of course, of course. Um, and now you're stuck not with like a Paolo Banquero, not with a, a Jabari Smith, not a Chet Holmgren, but somebody in that second tier prospect, your Jaden Ivey, your Keegan Murray, something like that. Um, but I don't think that this should change the Pistons' outlook whatsoever. We've said it really since day one. Aaron, I think you and I have certainly been in lockstep, and, and Mike, you as well. The Pistons have to take the most talented player available in this draft. That has not changed because they got the fifth pick instead of the first pick. They got the first pick, I'd say, take Chet Holmgren because I think that's the, the most talented player in this draft. And with number five, I think they should follow the exact same thinking. Now, my problem here is that when you get into that fifth pick kind of range, you have players that are certainly more of unknowns and you have players with flaws that are a little bit more obvious and a little less easily you know, remedied. Uh, I think about somebody like Shaden Sharp. I don't really know who I would take with this first pick, fifth pick. I'm sorry. Um, if I'm being completely honest, because Shaden Sharp is a player right in there who has all these physical tools. Uh, if you've seen his high school tape, he certainly fits the mold of what you would think an NBA player is going to be at that shooting guard position. But I have no idea what the heck he is because I haven't seen him play meaningful games in almost two years now. Um, so I do think that the Pistons should absolutely take the most talented player possible with this fifth overall pick. I'm not sure I know who that, that player is. And maybe that sounds like a cop-out, but I also think that that's a very reasonable position for Pistons fans to take because frankly, you're in a position where you don't have all the variables at your disposal. Yeah, I think. Oh, oh I'm sorry, Aaron, go ahead. I was just kind of going to piggyback off of uh, what Jasper was talking about here. And I'm in agreement that the Pistons should be taking best player available. You know, I think when you're drafting for fit, you need to be a team that is definitely further along uh, in the rebuild process that has more of the core of your roster solidified for the future. And while outside of, you know, Kate Cunningham, that's not necessarily the case with the Pistons. They do have young pieces that, and this is the important word, could be a part of their future moving forward. Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, guys like that. Uh, I mean, those, really, those are the three guys from that first draft of the rebuild. And not to say that they're bad players or you know they're not good enough to be on a winning team, but I just don't know if we know that yet. And I think Sadiq Bey is probably the guy that's next up on the list of guys that you're building your roster around alongside Kate Cunningham. But I don't know if I'm altering roster decisions because of Sadiq Bey. I don't know if I'm not taking a certain player in the draft because of Sadiq Bey. I think if there's a player that the Pistons feel are the most is the most talented and has the highest ceiling, 
they need to disregard the fit because this is a team that does not have enough talent to win enough games. They're not a playoff team. They are pieces away. They need to be stockpiling on guys that have all-star potential, um, you know, that can change the landscape of this team. And I think that's where you look at guys like Jaden Ivey or Shaden Sharp. There's some other players that, you know, might have the high, high, high talent, maybe not the highest, but could step in and be an immediate fit with the team, like a Keegan Murray or a Benedict Matherin. I think the Pistons should be drafting best player available. You might still think that that's Keegan Murray or Matherin or somebody else. Um, but I know that there's people that have questioned the fit between Jaden Ivey and, and Kate Cunningham potentially. And I don't really see much issue with that. I think something that we taught Kate Cunningham for is his ability to kind of mesh with everyone and be able to fit alongside different types of players. And I think having an, a guard that can score the ball that can get inside that super athletic would pair well next to Kate Cunningham. It would take some of the pressure off of him. Uh, as we know, he struggled turning the ball over a little bit last year. I think having another guard that can handle apply rim pressure, run pick and rolls distribute. I think that that's something that uh, would be beneficial uh, alongside Kate Cunningham, but uh, I'm not worrying about fit right now. I'm worrying about getting talent in the organization. The Pistons lack talent. Uh, they may have fell the fifth in the draft, but it's still an opportunity to add a high-level talent, a high-level prospect to their team. And, and it's important for the Pistons not to worry about fit as much as they should be worrying about uh, the potential of the player that they select. And, and Aaron, those are not mutually exclusive as well. And I think we need to point that out too. Look, if you think Keegan Murray is the best player for your team in this draft, if you're Troy Weaver, which, hey, look, based on a lot of things we have heard out of James Edwards III, out of, uh, you know, Amari from, from the free press, like, this is absolutely something that, you know, is a very real possibility. Now, the Kings being at four potentially complicates that because somebody like Keegan Murray potentially fits them better than somebody like Jaden Ivey. We don't necessarily know that. But look, if you're Troy Weaver and you say, hey, we're taking Keegan Murray because we think he's the most talented player in this draft, and he also at the same time makes somebody like Jeremy Grant more expendable in a trade, well, hey, that's fine too. Um, but I, I do agree with you. Yes, the priority has to be talent. If fit comes alongside that, that's just great. Uh, and, and I have no problem building your strategy post-draft off of the fit with the players that you have taken in this draft. But um, I, yeah, I think you're certainly correct. That has to be the fit. And frankly, the Pistons roster is not in a position where, you know, somebody like Jaden Ivey coming in, somebody like Benedict Matherin coming in um, is going to be displacing a player that absolutely needs to be getting all this playing time over them. Like there is, there are no sacred cows on this roster outside of Cade Cunningham. I think we're all in agreement on that. So I'm going to ask another question of what we sort of discussed last, last week, a little bit, Aaron and I both gave a, you know, a pretty, a pretty hearty no. Is there anybody in this draft, you know, obviously outside of the top three, because we don't think that Orlando OKC or Houston are going to be trading out of the top three. There was some weird report that the Rockets are open to trading three, but I think that's, I think that's BS. But is there anybody in the draft that you would, you feel that the Pistons need to move up to four? To four? No. 
because right. like like anybody that you don't want the Kings to get this, or no, it's it's the same reason why I don't have a strong opinion on who they should take at five. And look, you guys know me. Last year, way before the lottery even happened, I was saying Cade Cunningham, Cade Cunningham, Cade Cunningham. I usually have my guys in whatever draft it is. I was a huge Donovan Mitchell fan. I wanted him so badly. This is not one of those situations. Everybody has the star potential. Everybody has that really low floor and all of these prospects are wildly different from each other there is not a lot of similarities between benedict matherin keegan murray and Jaden ivy in my opinion like really like what is the common denominator between all three of those i don't know um one of them can't really shoot the other one's like they're, they're maybe they're all late bloomers i guess that's maybe it um but yeah no matter what you're doing there like you're taking somebody that's going to have flaws and you're taking somebody that you're going to be having to it's it's going to be a risk like the thing with I guess Keegan Murray you can talk yourself into is he's the least amount of risk potentially he's that lunch pail kind of guy that Troy Weaver likes very much about his business quiet you know not a big show off but the production is just there um for me at a certain point yeah, those guys are good, but at a certain point, you you do need that flash. You do need that extra burst, and that's how I can talk myself into somebody like a Jaden Ivey. But at the same time, Jaden Ivey lacks that certain kind of, of shooting ability that I'm looking for. Well, then Benedict Matherin comes in. Well, the Benedict Matherin can't really create for others. So, you know what I mean? Like, there's no real answer here. Um there certainly right. is no better answer at four, in my opinion, and definitely not anybody on the roster that would be worthy of being traded to move up in the draft that I would want to do so. Okay. So if, if you're the Sacramento Kings, what, who, who would you be picking? Because we, we both sort of decided last week that, you know, the Kings are a total, well, one, they're a total wild card. They are every single year. Um, yeah. yeah, but like, you know, like a dog with rabies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't know what they're going to do, like what they're going to bite or no. And they uh, might drop that. Do. They might drop that at any second. So it's, it's Watch very out. possible. And I think it's likely that I would, I would give it a 50, 50 chance at this point that they trade out of that pick. You know, they're a team that's trying to make the playoffs. I think that if they dangle the fourth pick, it's not super desirable, but they can dangle the fourth pick and they could try to get, you know, a, 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 like a veteran player. I think that's, I think that's on the table, 50, 50 chance that it happens because when we talked about this and Aaron has tweeted about it, the Kings can't really afford to wait for a young guy to get good, like a Shane Sharp. Sure. He has a high ceiling, we think, but how much time are they willing to wait to get him to that point? Um, and Keegan Murray seems like an awfully safe pick for them because he is the most polished, safest pick. And sometimes the, the Kings just need to do what's safe. So if, if you're the Kings, what are you doing at four? Because that directly correlates to what the Pistons do at five. Oh, God. I thank God this. There's some times where I'm like, oh, man, being a Pistons fan is hard. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I could be a Kings fan. Right. You could be a Woo! Kings fan. <laughs> it could be so much worse. Uh, you know, I'm kind of interested to hear what you guys have to say on this. I guess if I'm in that position, Keegan Murray to me does fit a need. And I think he also is 
a guy who can immediately come in and help you. Sometimes it's best to just not overthink it. You know what I mean? That was the problem with like the Seku Dumboya pick where they had Brandon Clark available. And it's like, you are a team that desperately needs a backup power forward. You have a player right here in the draft that can step in and be your backup power forward behind your oft injured Blake Griffin. Just do that. Make the smart pick. You're here to win. Make winning like so if there's not a, a trade for them to get a borderline all-star player, I, it's funny because we said, you know, we wouldn't make that trade, but boy, they sure could use a Jeremy Grant, um, yeah, you know, really moving, could. moving back one, one pick in this draft, I don't think would be a downside for them whatsoever. But if I'm the Pistons, I don't really necessarily see how that's all that compelling. Um, unless maybe you're getting a future first rounder back as well. But I, I don't know. That's, that's a whole different discussion. That could be a lottery ticket. But that seems crazy to me. Um, you know, uh, anyway, I, I think for me, yeah, I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say. But if I'm the Kings, I'm not overthinking this. I'm either taking somebody safe like Keegan Murray, somebody who can help me right now and also has that high level talent, or I'm demanding a borderline all star level player to move out of that pick. Um, but like Aaron, taking, yeah, I, I mean, I, I want to know where Aaron, you come down on this. Yeah. Because all right, Aaron, you go first. Well, we, we we did kind of talk about this last week, and I think we both said Keegan Murray if they end up taking the, That's, taking that the is, pick. That is correct. But I think we also said that they should be trying to trade this pick um, because they, yep. they could probably get something for four because I think there will be a team that would be willing to trade up for a Jaden Ivey or Shaden Sharp. And I, if I'm Sacramento and I can get, a nice haul for number four and they can get a guy that's going to help them win now uh, or a couple guys that are going to help them win now. Like that's got to be uh, appealing to me, but if they're dead set on, on making this pick and if the reports are true that they want to, you know, make the playoffs next year, it's, it's got to be Keegan Murray for them just based off the fit alone. They have De'Aaron Fox. They have Davion Mitchell. They have Sabonis. You can pair, your, your forward spot between Harrison Barnes and Keegan Murray and then bring whoever you got off the bench, Trey Lyles, um, which is funny, but whatever else that they, you know, put together in the offseason. And, and you kind of have a grouping there that puts them in a better position to win. Mitchell came uh, up big time last year after they traded Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, Murray's a guy that can come in and, and shoot, defend, score for you right away, um, can play big minutes. And, you have Sabonis, you have Fox, like you have the pieces there that you should be more competitive than uh, you have been in, in years past. So if they're looking to make the playoffs and that's what they, what their goal is, that's where I draft for fit. That's where I draft Keegan Murray uh, rather than taking an upside play uh, in Jaden Ivey, who maybe doesn't fit when you already have a pair of guards on your roster. So, so in that case, then if you're the Pistons, let's just say they take Keegan Murray and you're the Pistons, and you really then you're – I'm not even going to talk about Shaden Sharp because, again, I don't I don't know anything about it. But let's just say that the choices between Jaden Ivey and Benedict Matherin, who are you guys interested in there? Uh, because I could talk myself into either guy. I, I think Jaden Ivey is that kind of explosive athlete that in, in, in my mind works perfectly next to Cade. He's comfortable playing off ball. He can create a little bit. Yes, we don't know about the shot, but, like, Hey, on paper, that's the kind of guy you want to put next to a, a player like Kate Cunningham. On the other hand, Benedict Matherin's got that dog in him. And 
woo, that just doesn't he doesn't this just feel like the perfect kind of draft for somebody like a Benedict Matherin to come out and like the second best player in it, you know, getting picked number six overall, something like that. I don't know. There's just something about him that really he he's got that dog in him. He's got that shot. He's got that shot making ability. He's got that same kind of explosive athleticism as well. A little bit bigger than than Jaden Ivy, but totally a different kind of player. Not a creator for others. So uh, I guess I'm wondering with you guys, Mike, like who interests you more there if Keegan Murray is off the board for the Pistons, right? Yeah. I still like Jaden Ivey. I could be talking to Shane Sharp. I, I, I'm in the same boat that you're in. I don't – we just haven't seen him play enough and that that inherent – you know, there is risk there in that. Um, I don't doubt that he's got, you know, top three ceiling. Um, but for me, it, it just seems easier to take Jaden Ivey. I think he does fit well alongside Kate Cunningham. I think his ability to, okay, the shooting is definitely a problem and it was a problem through most of the big 10 tournament and into the NCAA tournament, but the, the speed and athleticism seems like, and the ability to get downhill, we, you know, the Pistons don't have a whole lot of players who can do that and collapse a defense. Not that there's any, you know, like plethora of shooters around to kick it out to, uh, right now, but I think that those two qualities would be very beneficial, and you hope that the shot comes around at some point. I would do sharp two and probably Matherin three, but this conversation might might change a little bit if the Pistons do end up trading Jeremy Grant and get another pick in the top, I don't know, let's just say top 10. They get another top 10 pick, um, whether that be Portland, Washington, or um, you know, even the Sacramento Kings. So I, I think the calculus changes with a trade, but if I had to pick, I would still be on Jaden Ivey at five if he is there. Yeah, I'm in agreement with Mike here. Jaden Ivey's, uh, in my opinion, the most talented prospect in this draft outside of those top three guys. Um, I buy into him being able to play on and off the ball. I buy into uh, the three-point shot improving. I mean, I just from watching film on him, he's a guy that better shot selection will will vastly improve his shooting numbers, specifically from outside the arc. Um, he just has a tendency, at least he did, uh, you know, in college to bring the ball up the court early in the shot clock, settle for a long three. It's obviously not a good shot. And I, I mentioned this last week on the show, but, you know, that's something that could if he eliminates that type of, of shot from his arsenal. That's something that turns his 36% three-point shooting to 38 or 39% three-point shooting. And then we're not necessarily talking about his shooting as a concern point uh, uh, for his future, but that's also a problem that he is deciding to take those shots. So uh, the decision-making, honestly, uh, in that regard, in terms of his shooting decisions, uh, is maybe more worrisome than his actual shooting percentage. I mean, it's a guy that took a 10% leap in his three-point shot from uh, his freshman to sophomore season. Um, but I buy into him defensively. He does have some woes on that side of the course, specifically off the ball. He tends to get lost staring at the basketball, um, you know, and that allows guys to get open on the outside, especially if he's not playing on the ball, you get matched up against a shooter and you get caught, you know, ball watching and that shooter gets open. That's going to be a, a nightmare, but uh, I buy into to his fit. 
I buy into the shooting, his electricity on the court, the way he gets up and down, the way he can get a rebound and get to the other side of the court and finish with athleticism is unlike anything that the Pistons have on the roster. It's it's obviously very similar to a guy like John Morant. And we saw the season that he just had uh, in the NBA. I think that having an explosive, electric, fast-paced guy that can get to the rim is imperative for teams. And Jaden Ivey would walk in the door and immediately be that for the Detroit Pistons. So he's definitely my favorite prospect outside of those, those top three guys that we expect to be off the board for whenever the Pistons draft on June 23rd. Um, but he is, he is a guy that I think would be a, a great option for Detroit. And he's a guy that if I was picking uh, at number five and he was available, that's who I would be taking. Yeah. I, I think one of the things I think Jaden Ivey could instantly bring to this team, even if the three point shot is a work in progress is that transition offense. And the Pistons have just not been a good transition team for uh, ever. Uh, I don't, I literally, maybe since like Grant Hill uh, was in the uniform last year, they were pretty mediocre. They were 41st percentile in transition offense in, in the league. Uh, they were middle of the pack in terms of frequency at like 15%. Um, so I think something that he could instantly bring to them as a really different offensive look would be that explosiveness and transition. And when you have bigger athletes, let's say they do bring back somebody like Marvin Bagley, I think that that, you know, that Cade, Killian, and Jaden Ivey all having those options could just completely put him over the top offensively, especially when they're running gunning. Um, you know, and for a team that struggled to score in the half court too, I think that that could definitely be an interesting wrinkle. And like we've said, just because you're taking the most talented player possible doesn't mean that they're not going to be able to instantly fit into this team because the fact of the matter is you won 23 games last year and your roster, frankly, is not really all that good for somebody to have to come in and fit alongside another player. Um, so, yeah, I think, yes, if I had to pick somebody myself as well, I'd probably go Ivy. I could see the argument for Sharp just based on physical tools. A guy having a 50-inch vertical leap is just, I mean, that's absurd. Um, but, yeah, I I think for me, I, yes, if you're going most talent, it's probably got to be Jaden Ivey, right? I, I mean, I, I certainly think so. And to your credit with the transition, the Pistons were 17th in the league uh, in points per 100 possessions in transition play. Um, their highest that I'm seeing is they were eighth in 2014-15. So, yeah, the transition oh, Brandon offense, Jennings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, it. It was it was because of Brandon Jennings. That's exactly why I, yeah, I forgot they about were that. They're also they're also eighth in 2013-14. Mm -hmm. Um, they took a little bit of a dive in 15-16. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, I I agree. And you know, I had talked about the speed, the athleticism. I think all those things are directly helped greatly by having a guy like Jay Ivey on the floor. Um. I do like Benedict Matherin, and I if the Pistons get back at seven, boy, getting Ivy and Ben Matherin would be mm. would be very very. I would like that a lot. I wouldn't complain, but that's certainly something we're planning on talking about more next week. Yes, uh, especially in in terms of Jeremy Grant potentially getting moved, and especially in regards to that Portland pick. Although, as we've been discussing for weeks now. 
there could be other moves available for for Detroit uh, this offseason, yep. both in the draft and in terms of, you know, talented players. So, Yep, absolutely. So you had mentioned Jeremy Grant. Um, are there, you guys have any other thoughts on, on if players like Cade and Sadiq and Jeremy Grant impact this kind of decision? I know it's early and we've talked about trades and we've talked about, you know, Cade is the one to build around. Um, but does Sadiq Bay or Killian Hayes, <laughs> you know, impact no, any of the no. decision making? No, no, <laughs> not at all. I mean, Sadiq Bay is a good player and he showed some nice things in year two. Um, but no, I mean, if you have a chance to, whether it's in the draft or free agency, land a small forward or forward in general that you think changes the landscape of your team moving forward, you shouldn't be hesitating for one second uh, because you have Sadiq Bay on the roster. And that's like, it sounds mean, but that's just, it, I'm not trying to be like, he is a good player, but you, you have to get talent and you can play forwards that you can play guys together that maybe you wouldn't have 20 years ago. It's a positionless game. Uh, I'm not, I can't worry about a guy that might be good, might top out as a six man on a real good team or a real good playoff team. Uh, I have to get talent in the door and that's not to take away from Sadiq Bay because I do think he's a promising player. And I think he can be a starter on a playoff team, a starter on a good team. Uh, but I don't know if it's for sure. Whereas I'm very, very confident in what Kate Cunningham is and what he can be uh, in the type of role he can have on a very good team in the NBA um, and certainly nobody else on this roster, like a Killian Hayes or Isaiah Stewart or anyone else you want to go down that list, uh, deserves that type of recognition um, either. Like the Pistons need to be getting talent in the door and Kate is the only guy that they should be worrying about as to, as to what the type of fit is or, or if he's going to, you know, butt heads with Cunningham at all. Yeah, and that's an important distinction to make, Aaron, because just because we're saying we're not making these decisions based upon somebody like Sadiq Bey or Jeremy Grant does not mean that we're saying bring in somebody to get rid of Jeremy Grant or Sadiq Bey. It just means that these guys can be moved around. Just because, you know, Keegan Murray has small forward next to his position on the draft, you know, NBA draft.net doesn't mean that you have to bring him in and all of a sudden we can't play him, Sadiq Bay or Jeremy Grant together. Uh, it just means that you have to find different places for different players. For God's sake, we saw Hamadou Diallo shooting guard go to Hamadou Diallo power forward last year. So hundred percent, you're correct, Aaron. Positionalist basketball is the, is the way to go. Um, just because we're not making decisions based upon Sadiq Bay, Jeremy Grant, does not mean that those guys are not going to still factor into the future of this franchise if you do bring in a player like Benedict Matherin or Keegan Murray. <laughs> and although I'll say this, uh, Killian Hayes most certainly does not impact that, even more yeah. so. <laughs> Double yeah, for him. I just kind of so. want to throw that in there and see how everybody would <laughs> react. And it was a pretty emphatic, pretty straightforward, bland no. Um, so I, yeah, that it makes sense. I mean, he, he, uh, well, we have talked about killing Hayes a lot, almost ad nauseum at this point. So let's just go ahead and move on to um, our next topic. And our final topic um, is that the Pistons young guys are already back at work. Um, so in a story from the Detroit Free Press, uh, there, there was some discussions about and there was some evidence of um, 11 players back at the facility working out and training. The season's only about a month 
out from ending for the Pistons. Um, so how how encouraging is it to see um, see these young guys back and already getting prepared for next season? I mean, it, it, it can only be good, right? Yeah, it's good that they're taking a serious approach and, and trying to build off of, you know, what was this a, a disappointing season last year, if we're just being honest? Like, I mean, we if you go back to, to last summer, we were talking about this team as a team that could compete for a play-in spot if everything went the right way. And obviously that didn't happen. There was a lot of injuries. There was some lack of development across the board for this roster. And it's good to see that some of these these core guys are, are already back in the gym, working together, training. Uh, I think it's very, very important. And I'm not sure that, you know, obviously it's it's kind of rah-rah stuff to just talk about this and, and be like, oh, yeah, that's good. Like, obviously it's good. But I don't know if this was the same. You know, I don't think we would have seen this from some of these rosters maybe of years past in different uh, front offices maybe uh, with some of these different guys that were on these teams years ago to see a young team show this type of commitment, I think is, is what stands out the most, because I don't think we're going back to, to Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson and, and, and those teams of, of those years of, you know, getting together early on in the off season and training uh, it's important that they're doing it because, you know, these guys have the potential to play together and be a part of a core moving forward. If you're looking at, Cunningham Bay, Isaiah Stewart. I mean, Bay and Stewart were on Team USA's select team last year. So obviously there are are high hopes for them. And the Pistons have talked about that as as guys or as a note of like how talented these guys are and the potential that they have. Like, look, they were good enough to play and get invited to to the Team USA select team. Like, obviously they're a part of our core and it's important that they're working together. I mean, I think it's just as important that they, you know, some of those guys were at the, the Celtics game together, Cade and, and Stuart Kelly and, and Dwayne Casey was there. Like that was good to see. And I know it was talked about, you know, how they were all kind of going there for different reasons. Like uh, Hayes and, and Stuart were there meeting with Puma and Kate Cunningham was, you know, just going to the game to go. And, and Casey said, Hey, I'll go too." like, I think that that's great. You know, I think it's, it's neat that they, got to go to a playoff game. And although they weren't playing, they saw that type of atmosphere, the hostility from the crowd. Like they saw how those things play together. And we've seen a lot of different stuff uh, from even just from social media that these guys are in Michigan, in Detroit. I mean, we saw that picture uh, of a bunch of guys at the Detroit Tigers game. And I know Stuart was in that picture. Um, Luca Garza, some guys from the G league roster. So it's, it's good that these guys are sticking together, working out, training and whatnot, because there's an expectation of legitimate growth with this team next year. And if there isn't, I think some of these guys' futures uh, are, are really going to be in question with this, this franchise, because it'll be year three of, of that, uh, of the initial start to the rebuild where Hayes, Stewart and Bay have been with the team. You know, you'll have a second season of Cunningham. If Luca Garza is still around, if Saban Lee is still around, it'll be his third year in the league. Uh, so the the potential of this group is going to come into question next year whenever the season ends for Detroit. And you know, working now to build chemistry, to get better, uh, it's important for them long-term to, to be a sustainable group and, and to get better to become that eventual playoff team that uh, the expectation is that they'll become. Yeah, I don't think, you know, any reasonable person would say that this is a bad thing, right? But on the other hand, we do have an entertainment product, gentlemen. So I'd have to say 
this is a disaster for the Pistons. This is one of the worst things I think I've ever heard in my entire history as a Pistons fan. This is an absolute debacle. 11 players back at the facility. You know, the roster is 15 players. Where were the other four? Why weren't they invited? You know, Aaron, you talked about how the Pistons were at the, the, the Boston Celtics, a, a historical rival of this franchise. They bought tickets. They supported them. They gave them their hard-earned money from Tom Boris, gave it to him willingly, and the head coach too, to just go and sit on the sidelines. Are those the kind of players you want on your team? I don't want players that are comfortable sitting on the sidelines and chairs. I want players that are in the game. If they wanted it, they should have put on their uniforms and they should have rushed onto the court, just like those ladies in Minnesota crushing eggs and, and, and gluing their hands to stanchions or whatever. For me, guys, I have to say, and, and, and this is just, I mean, it's a debacle. What, what else can there be said? Um, Isaiah Livers was there. Um, you know, Killian Hayes was there. Um, I don't believe Sadiq Bay was there, though. And uh, where is he? Why is he being left out? I didn't see Frank Jackson either. Is he being excluded because of his religious beliefs? These are the questions that we need to ask ourselves, gentlemen. And uh, until I get some answers, I'm very, very disturbed. I need, a, <laughs> I need, I need a drop. I need a drop of the Frank Jackson part. Yeah, that's killing me. That's, that killed me. Came out of ja- Jasper, Jasper Apollonia, <laughs> aka Skip Bayless. Oh my gosh, yeah, the Frank Jackson me. part killed me right there. They, they call me the Alex Jones of Brooklyn, folks. I'm just I'm out here asking the hard questions. What are they putting in the water? <laughs> oh, that's why we needed him back. That's why we needed Jasper back. Yeah. Him. Uh, well, doesn't you know. uh, doesn't Frank Jackson have a contract to be picked up yet? <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I'm just asking the hard questions. Oh, I'm just saying. Gosh. Game six was a game. Game six was a false flag. <laughs> wow, we oh, really Lord. need the draft to get here. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys, but <laughs> I did need to get. You know, I just. Aaron talking about these guys getting together and having fun and learning. It just makes me sick to my stomach. And I I don't know how much more I can take. It's this relentless pro Pistons propaganda. You're not willing to ask the hard questions. That's what we do. Not willing to dig deeper. I have to put my 200 and something thousand dollars Syracuse journalism degree. (laughs) to you Finally. Oh God. What am I doing with my life? Can we Uh-oh. end this podcast, gentlemen? Things are going Uh-oh. downhill rapidly. Uh-oh. How many weeks away? We're just under a month out of the draft. Yeah, we're about a month out. So and we we're about and for three weeks. And we're about three minutes out from yeah. really losing my mind. Well, that may have already happened. I mean, <laughs> we may have just witnessed the uh, explosion happen. Mm. Yeah, this is obviously a good thing to have them all getting good. I thought it was interesting that Isaiah Livers was there. I thought that was, uh, I guess, just... Just interesting, but yeah, not a bad thing. What it, no, what I, bad is, is the Eastern Conference Finals. That that has been bad. Um, not an interesting game yet. I Mike, I have uh, I have a little bit of money on the Heat tonight, and boy, <laughs> I, I I mean, this game should be a bloodbath. But the Heat are plus one thirty right now, and they're playing at home. And these teams have switched wins in each game. 
I don't know, man. I'm feeling like a fool for betting on the home team. That's plus 130 right now. But who knows? This has been a weird, weird series. They've all been blowouts for the most part. Same with the Golden State series. So hopefully the finals will be a little bit better. Um, You know, it does definitely look like Golden State is going to be one of those two teams right now. But we will see. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Robert Williams and Marcus Smart are both playing. Uh, I think Tyler Robert Harrell Williams is not playing. Well, that's actually a almost seems like a bonus for it them because that's be more Oladipo. Thing. Yeah, more Oladipo playing great defense. And but I will say Robert Williams playing for the Celtics. I mean, you could see the difference when he's on the floor for them. It is way harder for Bam to get anything going uh, yep. than when he's off the floor. So you know, I also wouldn't be shocked to just watch Boston win these next two games kind of kind of comfortably. Yeah, the Heat have always been sort of confounding. They have a lot of G League two-way contract type players that are producing and produced all year. And then, like, Max Struess was just a cardio queen last time out. He he recorded no stats, but I think he had, like, 18 minutes of time on the floor. <laughs> um, and Gabe Vincent getting time. They, they just had a lot of dumb luck it seems like that all fit during the regular season but then you get into you know into crunch time and boston just has more more of those players that can uh you know buckle down and marcus smart and robin and robert williams certainly kind of fit that bill there and jason tatum has been much better so yeah it's look if i had to guess right now i mean the warriors are up three one um, not that they have any precedent of blowing 3-1 leads ever. Um, and uh, Boston, I think, has the momentum going in. I'm starting to get a little healthier. And you're right. Robert Williams on the floor with Al Horford, or instead of Al Horford, totally changes Bam at a bio entirely. Uh, Aaron, do you have any thoughts on the, on the sudden topic three of the Eastern Conference Finals? <laughs> Every game has been a blowout one way or the other it seems like so uh i agree with how boring it's been but hopefully tonight will be better because i actually plan on sitting down and being able to watch the full extent of this game so i'd like to see a a close competitive game where both sides are playing good basketball and it's not 82 to 123 (laughs) yeah yeah, you, you and me both. Really, that's all I have. That's the type of series this has been. It's been awful. I really don't have much to say besides that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fellas, good podcast. Um, it's been three minutes, and Jasper hasn't gone totally AWOL, so I think he's settled down. Do we have any other final thoughts here before we wrap up this edition of Pals Pistons podcast? Well, we've already kind of talked about a topic for next week that I think a lot of people are going to be excited for us to talk about because it's a a situation that a lot of people would like to see play out uh, for Detroit. So we're already planning next week's show. That's how dedicated we are to our listeners who have actually absolutely killed it in terms of support of our show lately, uh, both on YouTube and wherever else, if you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, wherever you listen to our show, the support has been absolutely amazing. So certainly appreciate that. Uh, we've got draft, or excuse me, draft profiles, scouting reports that we're working on right now that are in the works that'll come out on palacebusiness.com uh, over the next few weeks leading up to the NBA draft. Um, so appreciate everyone's support. Hopefully you guys continue to support us. And that's all I got for this week's show. It's been a pleasure, boys. Wow. 
in and out. Aaron is like, Mr. Hit the, hit the quota on read this and go there and thanks for the support. He's got like uh, the perfect outro. It's like he has not an index card just ready to go. Uh, Everything they the say is just quoted out in front of me. I, it's like I have a teleprompter <laughs> in front of me. That's how I operate every show. I Aaron type out the teleprompter. two hours before the show starts. Well, somebody has to be uh, prepared because it's certainly not Jasper or I. <laughs> oh, God, no. Oh, <laughs> sweet, sassy molassy. Absolutely not. Uh, Y'all have a wonderful night. <laughs> exactly. Well, for my co-host, Aaron Johnson, Jasper Apollonia, I am Mike Angolano. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. And thank you to our sponsor, once again, Bet Online. If you're interested, you can use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with Bet Online. So I'd like to once again thank everybody for joining us on this edition. We will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.